Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Bridgestone Weatherpeak. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd. Head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. What's going on everyone? John Middlecop, 3 and Out Podcast, brought to you live. Well, not exactly live, I'm recording it because it's a podcast by Colin Coward Podcast Network, coming to you every Wednesday, uh, at least during the off season. We might have more coming up during the fall. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can subscribe. If you listen on iTunes, subscribe, rate, and in the review section, leave your questions, and I will get to them like I do every podcast. Got a bunch of new ones for this week. We call it the Middlecoff Mailbag, and I will hammer that those bad boys out. Let, let's start in, in the desert. For those of you that don't live on the West Coast, Arizona, Tempe, Scottsdale, beautiful place. I mean, one of the... One of really the great American cities. It's only negative. It's just hot as shit uh, for about four or five months a year. We're talking like 110 plus. But other than that, the Scottsdale area in general is awesome. It's actually become a pretty solid NFL town. Obviously, they've hosted Super Bowls. But the team has been very solid ever since Bruce Arians came over. And, and really, they are one of the great question marks in terms of a coach in the league. Bruce Arians... To Steve Wilkes, I don't know much about Wilkes. There have been questions, or I've heard people say really good things. I haven't really heard anything bad. But anytime you're a first-year head coach, you're kind of flying under the radar in terms of you weren't a coaching candidate for many years. Not that that means anything. I just think we have to kind of take a wait-and-see approach. Like Pat Shermer, for the most part, I feel pretty confident. I know what I'm going to get. Steve Wilkes, no clue. Uh, I know people talk highly about him, but I think when we talk about the Arizona Cardinals, most people act like they were a two or three win team last year, and that just wasn't the case. 
They went 8-8 eight and eight with Blaine Gabbert playing quarterback. One of the big early offseason stories. Now, again, shorts and t-shirts. I, I'm going to try to, you know, temper my enthusiasm. I've been at these practices. Uh, I've worked at these practices when I worked in the NFL, covering the media. I've gone to a ton of Raiders and 49ers offensive uh, OTAs, offseason team activities. So I know they don't mean that much. And especially with young players, it's easy to kind of get overexcited. We're all humans. We all do it. And it's one thing to read about it. It's another thing to see it live. If you're listening to this on Wednesday... I am probably, as you're listening, at 49ers practice. Probably after the practice, I'll tweet some things. How exciting maybe a player here or a player there was that impressed me. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be good in the fall because the game is much different, but I do think you can take certain things away. And when you talk about quarterback play, listen, they signed Sam Bradford. I will not dispute this. When Sam Bradford is healthy, he is a good player. The problem is he's never healthy. So just this... Saying this goes around with Sam Bradford everywhere he goes. If Sam Bradford can stay healthy, well, we basically already know what that if the result is going to be. Sam Bradford's going to get hurt. They also signed Mike Glennon. Well, Mike Glennon sucks. Mike Glennon is not good at football. He is not a good NFL football player. Josh Rosen. Anyone that's listened to this podcast followed me for a while. He was my number one quarterback. He was the most talented quarterback in the class. Now, he had flaws. He had red flags that I thought were legitimate. Injury red flags, was an inconsistent college player, and I think a lot of that, some of that stuff was out of his control. But still, he, at times, could have played better for them to win more games. Not necessarily this year, but just over his career. And then the personality stuff. I have heard different things. Not that it's too bad, but it is worth a conversation. But just film, just in a vacuum... I think he was a legit number one overall quarterback candidate in any class. Not with like Andrew Luck. His just talent alone, he could have gone number one overall and that team would have been happy. Just on talent alone, he's more talented than Baker Mayfield. That's not even arguable. So a team that went 8-8 and with Blaine Gabbard as their quarterback last year that still has a solid nucleus of players. Now, massive curveball, as I stated, with the new head coach. I think the National Football League, people around the league, fans, everyone, even I find myself doing it sometimes, but reading about how good Josh Rosen has been in camp. And I do put something there because a couple things stood out about some of the things the players have said. How he already knows the place and how in command he is of the huddle. Like, that's pretty important. So part of, quote-unquote, his arrogance, sometimes that transfers pretty well when you transition to the pros. Because ultimately, if you are a rookie starting quarterback, you do have to take control of a huddle. It's going to come pretty natural for Josh. The other thing, his football intellect is pretty high. Handling the playbook is not going to be an issue. I think the only thing that makes me a little sad about this situation, because we know one thing. Sam Bradford is probably going to be the starter. Sam Bradford is the of the four rookie quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield has to beat out Tyrod Taylor. He's okay. Josh... Allen has to beat out A.J. McCarron. He is not good. And Sam Darnold has to beat out Josh McCown, who I actually kind of like, but he is what he is. He's like, you know, 38-year-old, I mean, the ultimate stopgap, bridge, older quarterback. And then obviously Teddy Bridgewater's in the mix there. 
And I don't think they want to play uh, Sam Darnold. But Josh Rosen, I think you can write it in stone. I guess you would shape it in stone. uh, Or, you know, factor it out of concrete. That he will start this year. And there is a chance, as we've seen before, Sam Bradford cannot just go down during the season. He can go down early, as he did in Minnesota. It was week one. He was gonzo the next week. So to think that even if Sam Bradford is a starter come week one, there is a chance he could disappear by halftime. We are going to see not just Josh Rosen play, but we're going to see a lot of Josh Rosen play. And a little bit like Mahomes and Deshaun Watson last year, they fell to 10 and 12, remember? Obviously, uh, Mahomes didn't really, he played week 17 because, you know, they rested Alex Smith. We've talked about that before. But Watson kind of went to a team that was good. Both of them went to good teams. And kind of this case, the Arizona Cardinals traded up for this guy. They were an 8-8 eight eight football team. They didn't just draft him at number two overall. They didn't win two or three games. They went 8-8. Eight eight. So who's to say that they couldn't be a sleeper team? I know we're all anointing the 49ers as this Super Bowl contender, which if you just look at their roster, it's not very good beside like five or six players. They're really probably another year away. Now, they do have potentially just Jimmy Garoppolo and even and Ruben Foster as this whole thing's played out to be a... I mean, Ruben can be a superstar. I mean, Ruben could be a, one of the best middle linebackers in the league, and clearly Jimmy can be good. But is that enough? Like, look at the rest of their team. It's not that great. So when you look at the Arizona Cardinals, if they get good play by Josh Rosen and Wilkes is just solid, I'm telling you, I'm sure we'll get into over-unders as we get closer to the fall, but they're a team that I think a lot of people are going to talk about, and I've already read headlines. The Arizona Cardinals are going to be one of the shittiest teams in the league. I think for some some places and sports books in Vegas have them as one of the lowest over-unders. I don't see why it's improbable for them to win seven, eight, nine games. What if Josh Rosen is good as a rookie? Like, they have players. Keep an eye on the Arizona Cardinals. Because Josh Rosen, for the hype that's coming out of this spring, he will start games this fall. He's coming into a team that's good, and I think that a lot of people around the league are sleeping on this squad. Let's get to what I thought the moment I originally read it back in early, early January when John Gruden was hired. One of the dumbest stories, theories, ideas I've ever read or even thought in my life. And it came from Pro Football Talk, Mike Florio, who, you know, to be perfectly honest, has become more and more unreadable these last couple years. I used to like him a lot. I I, I can't really read any of the stuff. Uh, You know, I, I one of the biggest football sites ever. I just can't really stand the site anymore, uh, full disclosure. But when I read this, I... It was so stupid. Chris Sims had talked about the intensity of Gruden and basically how much he swears. And Florio kind of, you know, piggybacked on that and just kind of threw it out there. Is Derek Carr going to be able to handle John Gruden swearing at him? Listen, I was around Carr at Fresno State. He played for Pat Hill. Pat Hill, I swear a lot. And I think he... Florio was talking about the word, the the F word. Could he handle it? And Donald Penn over the last couple of years has kind of made fun of him, you know, Derek for not saying it. But again, Derek doesn't swear. Does that mean he can't handle hearing the word? 
Like I said, Pat Hill at Fresno State swore every other sentence. Pat Hill was the guy that recruited Derek. That's who Derek committed to. And his for three years, he played under Pat Hill and thrived. Got better every year. Love Pat Hill. I, I think they're still pretty close. The majority of players, if anyone that's been around the NFL, that swear, so his teammates, is vast. <laughs> is a lot. From college, now to the pros. His first... Two coaches in the NFL, Dennis Allen, uh, actually three, Tony Sperano, Jack Del Rio, they swear. Guess what? Coaches in the NFL, in college, in high school, probably in peewees, cuss. It's pretty normal practice in football. So Derek, I think for the first time, spoke uh, on Tuesday at OTAs. And was asked the question and basically said, just because I don't say the word doesn't mean I can't handle hearing it. I would imagine every day that Derek has been in the NFL in an NFL facility, obviously he's only spent his career with one team, the Oakland Raiders. He's heard that word, I would say, over under 15 times a day. Every day that he's been in the facility. So you, you start doing the math. He's been in the league... Going into his fifth year, you know, 200 days a year at the facility, it's the number is enormous. He's heard that word so many times. There are a lot of religious people in the NFL that do not swear. When I was in Philadelphia, Andy Reid, he's pretty religious. He does not swear at practice. He does not swear at his players. Does that mean he can't handle hearing the word? His coaches swear. Obviously, his players swear. Just because you don't do something doesn't mean you can't handle seeing it or hearing it. It's just a personal choice. When you're the quarterback, like I would imagine Russell Wilson's not a big swear. Carson Wentz is pretty religious. I would imagine he's not dropping F-bombs left and right. Like It's not that crazy. Like I have a little more Tom Brady in me. Or, or from what I've heard, Peyton Manning or Brett Favre. I swear a lot. I have people in my life that don't swear that much. It's not that big. I mean, hell, my, my mom doesn't cuss. You know, it's it's people people in this day and age in 2018 think everything's a big deal when you start interacting with someone that just doesn't do something exactly like you. Like I think we've lost touch in society, in football. Like that, that that's what makes America great is you can deal with other people and flourish and succeed. Just because John Gruden's vocabulary is dramatically different than Derek Carr doesn't have anything to do with them winning or losing come Sunday. Anything to do with him teaching him at practice. So whether he's saying the swearing at him every minute or just talking normally, it'll have nothing to do with Derek Carr's future success. The moment I read that story, I thought, this is the dumbest thing I've ever read. And now hearing Derek talk about it, and just basically poo-pooing it, like, how stupid is this? Having had a front row seat around Pat Hill and Derek, I was there when they were both there. Derek's freshman year, Pat. Guess what? He did not hold back. I've been at practice. Jack Del Rio, pretty loud, pretty outspoken. They had a lot of outspoken, you know, hard coaches the last couple years under Del Rio. Obviously, John Gruden is the highest level of probably just screaming, hooting and hollering, and dropping F-bombs. And guess what? I am very confident. I was the moment he was hired. I'm even more confident now, just talking to some of the coaches on staff, how much him and Derek are getting along. That will not be a problem. 
NFL players are wired, unlike some areas in our society that struggle handing, handling when, you know, people don't speak exactly how they like. Like, they can handle it. They have literally heard it all from probably high school through college. And obviously, if you played a decent amount of time in the NFL, if you've played four plus years in the NFL, there is not a word in the English dictionary. And I would imagine there's a lot of words in the English that are not in the English dictionary you've heard. You have heard it all. So Derek and John Gruden, their success or failure will have nothing to do with swear words. Well, this story actually happened before Memorial Day weekend, but it was after our last show. So I didn't get to talk about it. And living in the Bay Area, uh, I have another podcast. I write uh, on Twitter. I I talk a lot about the 49ers. So the Reuben Foster story has been something. And really, Reuben Foster, the player, the moment the 49ers drafted him, and really being someone that covers the draft too, when Reuben Foster got sent home from the Combine, and because just simply Reuben Foster was arguably my friends in the league, and I, I personally agreed with them, was probably a top five talent, just a top five talent in the draft 2017. He was actually the more talented player the Niners took in the first round despite going 31 and the other guy they took going three. It should be flipped. Solomon Thomas looks like a guy that, that was picked at 31 and Reuben Foster looked like the guy that was picked at three. He has an opportunity. John Lynch has gone on record saying this. And I do not think it's just homerism hyperbole. He can be a Hall of Famer. He was easily a top five middle linebacker in the NFL last year. He was an incredible player. Like It was jaw-dropping how good he was. Again, no hyperbole. He was a badass. A plug-and-play, instant, dominant player. Before Jimmy Garoppolo showed up, he was the 49ers' best player. Now, the bar's not high last year. The team's not that talented. But he was a legitimate pro bowler. You know, he's not keekly or anything, but he's better than just about every other player in the NFL beside like three or four guys. He has a chance to be a superstar. This offseason for him has been a disaster. I think we just witnessed arguably the craziest story I think we've ever seen in sports. Now, it's maybe not the worst result we've ever seen in terms of O.J. Simpson killed his wife. Obviously, same with Ray Ruth. You know, we've seen Greg Hardy stuff. We have seen just disgusting, heinous crimes over the years. But I don't think, and a lot of times, remember when Playmakers came out 15 years ago on ESPN, the NFL got really mad and said that it was you know, taking it too far. And in reality, looking back, they didn't even get close to taking it far enough. I really think the Jerry, uh, not Jerry Colangelo, his son Brian Colangelo, the story on Bill Simmons' website about how he had burner accounts. He's basically Kevin Durant times 50 as a GM. I mean, it's pretty wild. The the NBA and the NFL, the stories that come out non-on the field are just so set up for 2018 and the way we take in news. But uh, to me, that story is not that crazy. Like, I could see people in the league, and I I would imagine there are people in the NFL, maybe not after this Ringer story because they deleted them, with burner accounts, with fake accounts. I don't know. I, I, I We haven't seen. And I don't know if we'll ever see again anything like what just happened to Reuben Foster. Reuben Foster, two months ago, maybe it was a little less than that, when the DA charged him and sent out a press release, it looked like, and again, I, I'm no lawyer, so I'm just assuming everything was fact, that he was going to go to jail. 
that even money, even he's a millionaire, was not going to be enough for beating up his girlfriend, hitting her eight to ten times in the head, threatening her life, and just going crazy. I thought, not only is Reuben Foster potentially his NFL career in jeopardy, his life isn't, he's going to go to prison. Like Michael Vick style, he's going to be behind bars. Then it turns out, as we learned two weeks ago, his girlfriend didn't just recant the story. She went in the courtroom, sat, you know, and gave a testimony under oath in front of the judge that she made up every single line in that entire thing. Not only did he touch her, he never touched a dog. None of it happened. Literally none of it happened. It was completely fabricated. On top of that, she incriminated herself that while he was in jail after she got him arrested for a fake story, that she got, I I mean, this is pretty, pretty impressive criminal activity. She got his checking account number and routing number and stole $8,000 and also stole Rolexes. So she indicted herself on other crimes. Now, the way the DA here, if you don't live in the Bay Area, we have crazy elected officials around these parts. They still think she's telling the truth. It's really bizarre. Even though she went under oath, a lot of times in these situations, like where Greg Hardy gets crushed, Tremaine Brock got crushed a couple years ago, and you know I was right there with everyone. When the girl will not refuses to say anything and cooperate with the police, typically I think we all assume she got paid off, especially when it comes to these millionaires. And I think a lot of people assumed that was going to happen with Reuben Foster. A lot of people assumed things were true that were not true. I, I, I thought the whole thing was just fishy. I didn't know quite what to believe, but I did understand because of his talent, because of how damn good he was, it was worth the risk for John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan to stand by him. And I also did this. If it would have been Trent Baalke, he hadn't earned the benefit of the doubt anymore to be trusted in those situations because he had a long line of employing felons. First off, John Lynch has no history of really anything uh, acquiring players. Like, Ruben's the only character risk he's acquired. Kyle, and, and I don't think a lot of people realize this, having been around the league for a while now and just watch the way he's operated in San Francisco and talk to people that have worked with him in other teams, he's actually a sneaky tight ass when it comes to character. He's closer to Chip Kelly than he is Pete Carroll. Remember, Chip Kelly only wanted choir boys. Now, Kyle's a little more open-minded, but Kyle is not big, uh, if you can play, I don't care what your background is. If anything, he's the opposite. Hell, he didn't like RG3 because he was selfish and wasn't a great teammate let alone questionable character guys. So I gave them the benefit of the doubt of, you know what, their history, now may it be short, still doesn't show me that they're just taking a bunch of felons. And Jim Harbaugh and Trent Baalke had a team full of dudes with rap sheets. I mean, Chris Culliver chased a dude down the street with brass knuckles after he hit him in his car. Obviously, Ray McDonald had multiple issues with women. Alden Smith could not avoid the police to save his life. Uh, so the, the, their track record, Bruce Miller beat up in downtown San Francisco, right on the water. Uh, I think a family vacationing, the guy was 70 years old, staying there with his son, beat him up. Like th- those were the type of people that used to be on the team. So I think a lot of people locally thought the Niners had that same type guy. And now I think everyone's kind of stunned. And, and I saw a lot of people that she ruined his reputation. I always say this, most sports fans I talk to, 
while some of them are very overly emotional while the game's going on, I, I do think they're open-minded to give people not only second chances, but when they see this type of information, they can wrap their head around and go, God, I, I mean, and almost feel compassion for him. I also think that he is no lock. Another charge, he had been arrested also in uh, in Alabama this offseason. Ruben had a terrible offseason. There's no way around it. that Just because Ruben, it turned out all this stuff was made up and he's going to get off on basically everything. He also had guns. Uh, usually when you're rich, you know, it was the gun was registered in Alabama. He'll pay a fine and that will also go away. I don't think it's a guarantee he's going to get suspended. I still would assume just because of the getting arrested for weed in Alabama and, and the guns, they, they could justify giving him a couple games. At one point in time when it looked like his entire season was going to be over is you know a pretty big relief for the 49ers. But I also think it shows you this. You are the company you keep. So Ruben had this crazy girl around a part of his life. He clearly, when he went back to Alabama, cannot avoid the police. I mean, we have multiple players in the Bay Area that we laugh openly about. They've been smoking weed. We used to have Tim Lincecum that played for the San Francisco Giants. We had a shirt around here that said, let Timmy smoke. Clay Thompson, as Andrew Bogut would call him, is known as Old Smokey. Now, obviously, the, the rules are different in California than they are in some other states, but no one around here judges you for, for marijuana. Now, the league does, but the point is this. Those guys have never got arrested before it was made legal. So you have to make decisions of the people that are surrounding you. If this does not wake Reuben Foster up, if his life does not change, and he is not basically a choir boy from this point moving forward, he will never change, and he will always be in trouble. He will go down an Alden Smith-type path. Now, they may commit different type crimes or have different type issues or whatever, but if Reuben Foster cannot learn from this opportunity, this second chance, and I, it's almost unfair to call it a second chance because he really didn't do anything. But he was involved with this girl that clearly is crazy who also said under oath that she has done this before. So I, I do kind of judge you for the company you keep. And clearly Ruben has struggled with it just decision making in the past. Sent home from the combine. Arrested a couple weeks before for marijuana. He has had issues. He fell in the draft. Well, don't get it twisted. He didn't just fall in the draft because of shoulder injuries. People had him red flag for character issues. Rightfully or wrongfully. It sure looked like most of the league was pretty right. So John Lynch took a chance. He looks a lot better today than he did a couple weeks ago, but this is still going to be a roller coaster ride. This is going to be a player, and as a GM texted me when Ruben first got in trouble, he said the problem they had with Ruben, because I asked him, he could have, they had a need at that position a couple years ago, and they passed on him for another player who actually turned out to be pretty solid. And his point was on Ruben. They never worried about him inside the building, or during the season, learning the playbook, anything with football. They had literally zero worries. It never crossed their mind that that was going to be an issue. Their problem was that under the CBA, that the moment Ruben leaves the building, they can't have contact with him at the end of the season, whenever the season ends. And that's been Ruben's problem. The season ended and he got, you know, obviously, again, the story was fake, but still, uh, listen, I, I come from a, a long line of gun owners, I know I'm not I'm not a personally a gun owner, but know a lot of people that do own guns. I have no problem with him owning guns. You will not see me grandstanding like that's some big issue because let me tell you, it's not. In this country, for all the shit that's going on in this country, it is still your right to own a gun. It is not your right, and it is a poor decision because it's illegal. 
you can't keep loaded weapons in your house. So Ruben doing that, if I'm John Lynch, like even though it clearly none of that happened with your girlfriend that you beat her up and all that was made up, I'm still, if I'm John Lynch, I'm still going, Ruben, why the hell do you have loaded weapons in your home? That, you can't do that. Part of owning a gun, you have to separate those when you, when you bring them into your home. So to me, Ruben, they are nowhere in the clear. They are nowhere, you just, they should feel good about themselves. He is going to be a roller coaster ride. But again, back to what I originally said. If this doesn't change him for the better, he'll never be changed. And he'll be out of the league in several years. He's either going to have no more issues moving forward or several. To me, there are only two options with him. There's no, like, in a couple years, he you know has a reckless driving. That ain't the case. He's either going to be a train wreck or a complete reclamation project. He's going to be, in a couple years, we'll talk about him like we do the Honey Badger. Remember the Honey Badger was no one would touch him coming out of LSU. And he's been a model citizen and... You know, one of the faces of the league. Since he's, I love the Honey Badger. He's he's awesome. He's really what's great about the NFL. Guys that do turn around their life. And I hope that's Reuben Foster. But I, I, I think right now, just with his resume, I'd say it's a coin flip at best. And it's sad because he really is that great of a player. And I'm rooting for him just because, selfishly, I like watching him play. He's a stud. I mean, I like watching good players play. But it's just the NFL, man. You can't make these stories up. And in a weird way, it's why the league is so damn popular. Okay, let's get to my favorite segment of the week, the Middlecoff Mailbag, where I answer your guys' questions from iTunes. Go to iTunes, subscribe right in the review section. You can leave a question, and I will answer it here on the podcast. Starting with uh, my guy, Jacob, uh, from Wisconsin. Obviously, probably going to ask about the Packers. Where do you see the Packers finishing in the NFC North this season? Do you think they're off-season acquisitions, draft picks? Hell of a draft. Uh, I'm a big fan of Gudikins. And, and pieces like Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, I was a big Jamal Williams guy last year, can make them a legit contender. Or they still ride the shoulders of Aaron Rodgers and in the reloading process. Here's what I'll say. If Aaron Rodgers is healthy, I look at him like Steph Curry or LeBron James. His team is always going to be in the mix for the championship. He is that good. I also think when you look at their draft, they drafted, for, they drafted corners with their first two picks. Obviously drafted Kevin King last year. That's three young corners. They have a, uh, a new defensive coordinator in Mike Pettin that I think people forget that once upon a time was a high-level DC for Rex Ryan. Actually, you know, did somewhat of a commendable job as the head coach with the Cleveland Browns. I think he's a pretty good coach. I, I, I love the, the DNA of the Packers. All they do is win, uh, and obviously if Aaron Rodgers goes down, they're screwed. Just like if Tom Brady were to go down this year or Matt Ryan were to go down or, or Cam Newton, that's, that's just kind of the life you chose when you have a you know Aaron's soon-to-be a 30-plus million-dollar quarterback. But I think their defense will be much improved. I think Devontae Adams, I don't even know if he's a budding star anymore. He's just a star player. Uh, I'm not the biggest Randall Cobb guy, but they drafted multiple wide receivers. They have still young wide receivers on, on the roster. Their offensive line has been, you know, pretty solid these last three or four years. If they can run the football with, and I, again, I was a big Jamal Williams guy coming out of BYU. Uh, I, I think they should be much more balanced. And if their defense plays well, which is a big if, because their defense, especially their secondary, has been pretty hit or miss. Uh, the last couple years. I mean, two years ago, when remember when they made the NFC Championship game, 
obviously Jacob remembers because he's a Packer fan, was it was crazy. I mean, they had no business making it there, but Aaron was that special. He he was like an NBA player. If they get if they can just become if they were ever you know a top ten defense, uh, maybe they were statistically in some of those years when they played. Remember when they played Kaepernick and the 49ers in Harbaugh, and they could never quite get over the hump. But I always felt like their defense was the problem. It was never Aaron in the offense, and they never matched up quite perfectly. Now, you could say that New England's been able to overcome it. Yeah, but, I mean, Belichick's probably the greatest coach ever. I like Mike McCarthy, but he's not Bill Belichick. If Aaron stays healthy, uh, I, I think they are definitely – you know, an NFC contender. Do they win the NFC North? I would still probably give the slight nod to the Vikings. They have the more complete team. Uh, but I, I, I do think there's a question mark in how Kirk Cousins will transition to being the starting quarterback, you know, for the Vikings. John Filippo, which I'm a big fan of, uh, has only called, you know, plays one time in his career. So th- there's going to be a lot of pressure on them. They're going to be probably even more than the Packers, you know, one of the teams in the league that's like, make it to the Super Bowl or bust. Uh, when, when you pay a quarterback that much money, when your roster is that good, th- there's going to be a ton of pressure on the Minnesota Vikings. So I, I re- it's probably a two-horse race. I'd give the Minnesota Vikings the slight edge, but it, it would not shock me in the least if the Green Bay Packers won it, and I would, I would have them in Sharpie a- as a playoff team. So that would probably be a wild card team, but I, I definitely think they could win the division. Let's get to Ed in Virginia Beach. Quick question. With free agency, the draft, and rookie minicamp complete, can you describe the type of work that NFL teams are doing right now? Do teams have different philosophies the time of year to prep for OTAs, time with families, ETC? What did Andy Reid, how did Andy Reid handle it? Andy was great. Uh, For the next month, before most NFL teams go on vacation for a month, these are like three-day weeks. Now, Andy, because he was so established, you know, we work like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and got like five day, four day weekends. I mean, it was it was incredible. Uh, we had a veteran team. Uh, it, it's the best time of year. There, there's not much to watch because you've basically graded every player. Uh, you know, maybe you're filling in some holes on you know having some workouts of street free agents, but there really isn't that much to do. It's it's pretty laxed. I mean, getting into the office eight thirty, out of there by three or four. <clears throat> you know, catching workouts either in the morning or the afternoon. It, it's it's pretty chill and laid back. If you're a college scout, maybe you're starting to put together there's some lists and, and get ready for the fall. But it, it's pretty relaxed. Now, where it's probably a little different, uh, you know, I have a couple buddies on the on the Raider staff right now with Gruden. They are grinding. Uh, I would imagine, uh, you know, the, all the new staffs around the NFL. They are working hard to implement their system, working with players. They are not getting, you know, four or five-day weekends every week. They're, they're probably working five or six days a week. Also, like new coordinators around the league, like like John D. Filippo, for example, with the Minnesota Vikings, you know, installing his offense, working with Kirk Cousins. Right now, they're probably working pretty hard. But if you're, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy, you're not exactly digging ditches right now. You know, I've, Tom Brady's not even at OTAs. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan, there's probably a balance, you know, because they've been together for a little while, probably putting a little more work than some teams. Jared Goff, McVay. But it is a pretty relaxed time trying to keep guys healthy, just trying to hone in the basics of your offense or defense. Uh, it's it's a great time of year. 
and it's 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 why NFL like NFL coaches will tell you it's much easier than college because college I've worked in in college football spring ball is very very time consuming uh, it's you're working the weekends you know it's it's a lot harder than the NFL's off season the off season is uh, is pretty chill so yeah right right now is kind of the calm before the storm. Uh, and then in about a month, you know, usually those final OTAs maybe end in the middle of June. You basically have off till late July, till, till training camp starts. So you get a month just free and clear. You're just obviously the players, but the coaches, scouts, everyone's on vacation. It's just a, it's a great time of year for uh, for NFL people. Last question, C Mac the Great. Okay, John. What are the chances Sam Darnold is the week one starter for the New York Jets? I'd put it about 30%. I, I, I think it's pretty set in stone that Josh McCown is going to be the starter. And there's obviously been a lot of buzz coming about Teddy Bridgewater that I I by no means discount. If he's healthy, he could beat out Josh McCown. But I think in a perfect world, you know, you kind of go throwback. And this hasn't happened in a long time with a top you know, five pick. They want to sit him all season. Now, maybe kind of like Mahomes style, give him one start at the end of the year. But I think, you know, him and Josh Allen for sure. I think Baker and Josh Rosen can play right away. You want to sit those guys. You want to have them learn. You want to have them ease into their NFL career. So I I, I would put it, you know, actually talking to myself, maybe 25%. And you'd say, well, you just said they want to sit him. Well, I, I always leave it open for the best player just to ball out. And there's a chance that Sam Darnold just balls out, and, and he's just better. And when the preseason games come, he's making plays, he's moving the offense, and then you throw all that other shit out the window, and he's the starter. But more than likely, there's going to be growing pains, there are going to be bumps, he's going to be working with the twos and threes, and Josh McCown and Teddy Bridgewater, they, they just make the easy decision. And then they sit Sam Darnold all season long. So I, I would look, I would say it's probably, you know, relatively small, you know, compared to most rookie quarterbacks, mo- most seasons that are drafted in, in the first round. But I, I really think the Jets have a special quarterback. I love Sam Darnold. I think if they can just kind of subtly help him out on not turning the ball over as much, playing a little more under control, just taking more ownership in the football, not being as reckless, uh, he, he can be a special player. He, he can be a little Russell Wilson, a bigger version of Russell Wilson. Now, he doesn't quite have the arm, but just he, he's a special playmaker. Uh, I, I think sometimes this term gets thrown out a little much, but I, I think the kid's a winner. And I, I think he's going to succeed in New York, which clearly is not an easy place for quarterbacks to go and succeed. But I'm betting on Sam Darnold, and I think they were gifted him at pick three. And in a perfect world, I like getting my rookies – uh, games, you know, even if you are going to kind of redshirt them, I, I would love to get them maybe even two games at the end of the year. I, I think that's that's very, very important just to go through the game plan of the week and then actually play against, you know, NFL players when you're playing for something. There's, there's something to the preseason, but it, it doesn't sniff uh, the NFL regular season. So again, we do this every week. In iTunes, subscribe, rate, and in the review section, leave any questions and I'll get to them every week. I appreciate everyone listening. Uh, you guys, I, 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 you know, reaching out on Twitter, 
It's been fun. We're going to keep it rolling all offseason right into training camp uh, and just keep building this bad boy. Thanks for listening. This is John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast on the Colin Coward Podcast Network. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.